Hey there, I'm Eric J. Olson. And I'm Kevin Daisy. You're listening to the Managing Partners Podcast, where we interview top lawyers about how they're growing their firms. Hey, everybody, it's Eric J. Olson for another live edition of the Managing Partners Podcast, where we interview America's top lawyers. And today we have a top lawyer with us, Elizabeth Brannon. Hey, Elizabeth, how's it going? Hey, Eric, thank you for having me. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for joining us. It's my pleasure. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself. Anything personal you want to share uh, or not is fine, but yeah, just a little bit about who you are and what you do. Well, as you mentioned, I'm the managing partner of Stris and Maher, and we're a boutique litigation firm based in Los Angeles, but we practice nationwide. And I live with my husband and our kindergarten age son and our new puppy in Tallahassee, Florida. Uh, Is this a pandemic puppy? Well, we wanted the puppy and then the pandemic probably slowed it down. But now we're going to get more comfortable with the vet visits as everyone's getting vaccinated. Gotcha. Cool. Wow. And uh, actually, I'm just curious, uh, the kindergartner, so this would have been the first, obviously the first year in school. And so you started off the, the very first experience with school for your kindergartner at home, right? Yeah, yes. Well, we he gets to go live. Things in Florida are a little bit more open than in other, uh, in other areas. And Tallahassee is not the most densely populated part of Florida. But it's set up at his school so that he can either go live or by Zoom. And I'm telling you, Eric, I would trade hours of hostile negotiation. I would appear at a proceeding where the outcome might be sanctions or contempt. I would trade it all to try to avoid Zoom kindergarten. Zoom kindergarten is not recommended. And my heart goes out to all the parents and the children who are having to do it. Yeah. were, Were you doing that, though, in the beginning? Only We did it a few times to make sure it would work. And then if there's anything like a sniffle that sends you into a week of remote, you know, remote kindergarten out of caution. Yeah, I can't imagine. But I guess you got to do what you got to do. So, well, I guess you're kind of getting back to normal. So that's good. Yes. Hopefully everyone will be able to do that safely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, tell us a little bit more about your firm, uh, your expertise, your practice areas, how large you are. Yeah, just all, all those kinds of things that people would be interested in. We're a boutique, so we're a small firm. We have a wonderful group of colleagues. Our founding partner, Peter Stris, is my really dear friend for many years. We were college debate partners and law school moot court partners together, and we've just assembled an awesome group of people. I'm really proud of all of them. I, we are small, but we're probably not small enough for me to tell you about every single one of them. But our, I mean, we do complex cases. We handle commercial matters and also intellectual property litigation, including patent litigation. We are, I guess I would say we're high-end problem solvers and we represent companies. We also represent entrepreneurs and other individuals who've had issues and problems to solve. Okay. How common is it for someone who's either in law school or undergrad, you know, pre-law to be on the debate team? I would suspect it's pretty common, but I don't think, I don't know. I've, I know certain people who are my friends from high school and college debate who have gone in different directions. So it's not, it's not like a life sentence, but for me, it was sort of, you know, it was never something I chose to do. It was always who I was. I used to like to, I guess, argue debate people and I said I'd make a good lawyer. I guess that was a compliment. I don't know. Lawyer, CEO. <laughs> yeah, one or the other. Well, cool. 
So let's let's talk a little bit about trends in the industry. You know, certainly technology. You know, we talked a little bit about school and how school has been transformed this past year based on technology. I'm sure it's similar uh, in the legal field. I'm sure you've seen it. As a matter of fact, you know, my my business lawyer. I went to visit him maybe about a month ago, and uh, he was kind of walking me through and showing me the the new layout and everything. And and there was a, a screen and there was like a zoom meeting or something going on and he goes, Oh yeah, that's actually a trial that's happening. So they were doing trials uh, remotely, you know, over the internet. Are you seeing a lot of those things? And do you, you know, beyond, beyond what, what you're seeing now, like what, what are some future things that you think are going to be happening in the legal industry that could impact you or others? Well, with respect to remote proceedings, fortunately, zoom trial, WebEx arbitration, remote proceedings work a lot better in the legal profession than they do for kindergarten. And we've been to trial and arbitration as well as had dispositive motion hearings and depositions throughout the pandemic. It's worked surprisingly well. You have to check off your basics. So it's important to make sure everyone has a good internet connection and sort of understands how the technology is going to work. There are always glitches you know, sometimes more than others, little glitches, but for the most part, it works smoothly and swimmingly. So I do think as a trend that I at least hope and I and I feel fairly confident that we'll see that not everything will remain remote when the pandemic is over, but hopefully there will be a lot of meetings that can spare people travel when you know, when a remote uh, meeting will work just as well. And I think we are going to even see some courts permitting hybrid where people can attend in person if that's viable, but uh, others may be able to attend remotely. And that may facilitate clients actually attending more of the proceedings, which I think would really be a good thing. That's really interesting. I hadn't actually considered that maybe it could continue, you know, after the pandemic, but just like anything else, remote work, you know, like all of our employees are working remotely now. It'll probably continue at, at some level to be determined, but uh, yeah, for for court proceedings, that makes a lot of sense. So, like my attorney that I mentioned before, years ago, there was something going on, and he's like, "Well, Eric, you don't need to go to court. Like, we'll send one of our junior people. But if they needed me, you know, like it would have been easy just to pop in by video. But I, I didn't want to go spend the day down there." Exactly. And if you could be there by video, it would demonstrate to the court how much it matters to you, but it might not take up your entire day and yet you'd still be able to see how it goes. Plus, I think lawyers have a tendency to report back how things went, but it's always nice if the client can be there in person to experience how things went and see that for themselves. There's some things that, you know, it's nice to be able to be there for to experience. So I hope that we'll see some of that. I also think You know, there are other trends that may be born not of the pandemic, but just of uh, technology evolving and improving. And business models may continue to evolve and improve. One thing that I'm curious about, you know, I understand that your company does monthly recurring subscriptions for the most part, or at least that's something you offer to clients. We really don't see that a lot in the legal profession, but I've recently started seeing some thought leaders raise the prospect of, hey, why aren't the lawyers doing this? So I'm curious about whether we'll see any of that anytime soon or or if our profession will just remain, you know, remain uh, stuck with what's been what's been known and what's already been done. Going by the tenth of the hour. Yes. Yeah, that is interesting. And you know, like I'm not aware of any legal firms that have like a monthly recurring service or offering like that, but you know, kind of an analogy is, yeah, marketing, we've been able to figure that out. My CPA, uh, he sends us uh, the same bill every month, and but he, he's quantified what you get out of that. So 
tax preparations, quarterly filings, tax planning. So I, I know what I'm getting and uh, he's active all the time and I can, I can ping him for like advice on certain things. So like I had, I had a question about state taxes recently and we got on a call for half an hour. It won't cost me anymore as part of the offering. But if I need something big, if I, if I want him to go file in a bunch of taxes, that'll be extra. So yeah, he, he was able to figure it out. I think it's just a matter of kind of quantifying what goes into that monthly recurring service and fee and then what's extra. So it seems totally doable. And I think speaking as a business owner, I'd like it. You know, I would like to know that I could get my attorney on the phone and ask questions and uh, it won't necessarily cost me, you know, 500 bucks. It's just part of the monthly due. So is that something that you've seen anyone else do successfully? You know, I really haven't yet, but I just recently started hearing people talk about it. And I noticed that that was your company's model and it seems to be working really well for you. So I just think it's an interesting challenge for the other managing partners out there listening to this to give thought to whether there's anything like that that could make sense for them and their clients or, you know, help expand the client base. Yeah. You know, what's what's great about it is predictability. Right. So uh, if, if I was working with you and, and you told me it's going to be whatever thousand dollars a month, I know it. Right. There's no surprises. It's, it's budgeted when the uh, you know, when it hits the ACH or credit card, I'm not surprised. And then there's comfort. Right. So it's I think it would be a really good thing. And then also, like, I mean, generally, you know, from my perspective, there's there's two models when it comes to legal. There's by the hour, which is you know predominant for law firms by a long shot. And then there's do it yourself. Right. So LegalZoom and other companies like that, but, but that's do it yourself. I don't want to do it myself. Right. I, I need something much more like a law firm, but without, you know, kind of the shock sometimes. So. Yes. It sounds like you need uh, the firms out there to be exploring alternative fee arrangements or AFAs as their, as the acronym goes. So our firm, because we're smaller and more entrepreneurial, we do frequently structure alternative fee arrangements, but they're crafted for the particular matter. And things like that can include, you know, frequently on the plaintiff side, firms are used to doing contingency work. Some firms will do blended contingency work where instead of charging a certain hourly rate uh, that they would usually charge for hourly work, they will reduce that rate, also be entitled to a portion of any recovery, but perhaps a smaller proportion than if they were doing it on pure contingency. And there's sort of any number of creative ways to do it. I would say that we've had success at Stress and Maher exploring alternative fee arrangements for a number of clients, but it's always been matter specific. I think it would be much harder for us to just adopt a pure subscription model because, you know, how would I make sure that, uh, for example, that 10 CEOs didn't need me for a half an hour, that same half an hour all at once. Yeah, it's a challenge. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, once we uh, went all in on that and, and we stopped tracking time, which I know it's, it's a big deal and it's hard, it's hard to imagine, but when you stop tracking time, it, 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 it really relieved a lot of stress around here. So I think you're onto something. I think that would be a really good model. Well, and I cool. hear you on the tracking time. Yeah. You know, that, that can, it can take a lot of time to track time. And then uh, as the, the person running the company, like you, I had to look at all those charges, you know, before they went out in an invoice to make sure they were all right. And inevitably some of them weren't. And so there's this round round about getting it right. So it, it's a constant challenge. For sure. 
Well, you know, I, I wanted to ask you about growth plans. Maybe this is it. Maybe this is your growth plan. But yeah, where do you, where do you kind of see your firm in, say, the next five to ten years? I see us growing organically. Uh, we recently had an attorney join us, a leading appellate lawyer, Tillman Breckenridge. So we know him and met him, and I'm very pleased to bring him on board. He is at least in 2018, he was the youngest person at the time ever elected to the American Academy of Appellate Lawyers. Oh, wow. And he makes our third person along with Peter Stris, our co-founder, and Bridget Acey, who's the former Solicitor General of Vermont. So we'll grow carefully and thoughtfully. I, If I have anything to say about it, we won't, uh, we won't double in size by just absorbing a practice group unless it really makes sense. But I also, I'm um, old enough to know, I guess, or I've experienced enough of life to know that you should Wise never enough. never why is enough maybe yeah, there you <laughs> go. Yeah. <laughs> no that's great uh, that's pretty common too a lot of the managing partners that i've talked to they're not really super interested in absorbing an entire another firm but obviously adding capabilities through different you know attorneys coming on board and, and thus sometimes different practice areas that makes sense right at least where i live today that makes the most sense to me and you know we would have to just see but but as I said, never say never. That's right. Well, cool. So uh, as a digital marketing agency, we're always interested to know uh, maybe, you know, kind of a little bit lower level or, you know, just maybe some tactics that you've actually used to grow your firm and get the attention of your ideal prospects. What, what are some marketing strategies that, that have worked well for you? So Eric, this may sound really basic, but the most important marketing strategy for me is not forgetting to do it remembering to pay attention to that uh, and to do marketing and approach marketing thoughtfully and consistently. I think it's like any other investment. If you're not doing it thoughtfully, you could just be throwing away time, money, resources, and time, at least for me, and I know for many of us, that's the most valuable resource. And then I do think though consistency matters because if you're doing something that does make sense consistently, you're not going to see a result from one particular thing necessarily on any one particular day that you do it. But over time, I think there's momentum and you're top of mind when someone who has a really unique problem that you can solve thinks, hey, I know who to call for this. So we reap what we what we sow literally, and we have to just remember to keep being thoughtful about it. If we're not good at it, and I'm not good at it, we've got to admit that and get help from people who are. And I think that's probably the most important thing is, you know, is to just do it thoughtfully, but do it every day, do a little of it. Yeah. I, I think that's very, very important. I, I completely hundred percent agree. Agree. It's, it's difficult to do it every day. Right. You know, like, like this, this is arguably marketing for us and it, it's time consuming, right? It was time consuming to get your attention and to invite you, but a little bit each day and, uh, and it helps. Right. But, um, it's one of those things that's really, really easy to just forget about because it's not your core business. Right. And so it's, it's, you know, maybe on your to-do list, but when you have to start prioritizing, that either doesn't make the list or it's at the very bottom. And so, yeah, we run into prospects all the time where they say things like social media is important. They understand that, but they haven't had time in the last three months to post anything. Exactly. And that's why it would be great for people to connect with you, uh, especially as I understand it, if they're, if they're doing business to consumer, you have expertise in many different areas of that that could help them. And I think for a lot of firms, it really could make sense to just have someone mind that ship and mind it well. And, you know, not every firm is going to benefit from the same exact approach. But I do think if 
you know, just being thoughtful about approaching it. And then for me, the most important other tip that I have for people is try to make genuine connections. Like life is too short to just be out there trying to sell something to people who don't want it or need it. But if you make genuine connections and figure out how to help people, I think the synergy that comes from that is amazing. And I've personally benefited from it so much. And it makes me grateful and it makes me committed to paying it forward. And that's how I intend to keep practicing. And hopefully I you know, will continue to get better at it because it, it also is something that you have to work on and be mindful about and humble about. But it pays dividends when you remember to do it. That is super good advice. Uh, yeah, I, I totally agree with that as well. We, we have a sales training organization here. It helps with our, our salespeople. And one of the first things that they drilled into our head was service over selling. So make sure that you're providing value, you're servicing people, you're answering their questions. Don't try to sell them, just try to service them. And uh, if you can service them well, then there'll probably be a sale at some point. And uh, that's very, very important. So I, I think that's spot on. Absolutely, because then it just, it's not necessarily a sale so much as an IQ test or a matching of, does this firm take care of me? Do these people, you know, take care of me? The relationships I think matter. I also think there are a lot of really good offerings out there for marketing. I know there's a lot of good offerings out there for certain kinds of legal work. And so you need to have excellent service and prioritize that and, you know, manage, like, take care of the relationships. Don't just, you know, forget about them because that is where, when other people need to know, can I trust them to do this? The answer will be yes, absolutely. And, you know, I think there's frequently repeat problems that, at least in some cases, our clients face. And so we want to we want to be the firm they trust to help advise them about how to handle it or if it's not right for us, who to go to. Yep, totally agree. You know, I, I think this is pertinent. It's pertinent to me. It's pertinent to basically anyone that's watching, pertinent to you. But yeah, it's communication, right? Uh, I used to do Navy contracting work and the government program manager had a saying that uh, communication is always the problem. The, the Navy... They, they did a big analysis about like why the Navy couldn't do some of the things they wanted to do. Was it the ships? Was it the guns? What? No, it was communication because we're humans and it's difficult. And as you get more people involved, it's harder. It's like one of the things that we talk about here at Array Digital is constant communication. So we, we want to constantly be communicating with each other, with clients. It's hard, right? It's just a hard thing to do. And so we, you know, you have to put effort into it. That's for sure. That is well said. And I think for communication, it's part of it is talking. Most of it is listening and it's creating an environment where whoever is being invited to express feelings to you feels safe and comfortable doing that and can give you, you know, a frank assessment of what they need, what they're getting what they would like to see more of. And those are the hardest conversations to have, let alone on a routine basis. But I do think they're the most valuable. 100% agree. This was a really good talk. I really appreciate your time. Now, it was very intriguing. You had really, really good points. If anybody would like to get in touch with you after this, what is the best way to get in touch with you? Probably the best way is just to send me an email at Stris and Maher. My email address there is ebrannon at Stris. Dot com And if you do an internet search for it, if we're doing anything right, it should come up. <laughs> well, thanks so much, Elizabeth. For everyone out there that's watching, if you are running a law firm and you would like to improve your digital marketing, please keep Array Digital in mind. You can reach us at ArrayLaw.com. Thanks, Elizabeth.